Hello, everybody, and welcome to our live week eight recap show. Tonight, we'll talk through each of the first four games, all of which exciting in their own way. We'll give our players of the week, update our power rankings. We'll take your comments and questions as well throughout the night. All made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more by visiting Facebook.com backslash Game Time TV MB. Hi to those of us, hi to everyone joining us live tonight uh, over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page, as well as all of you listening or watching to this on demand. Before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention that we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Oceanabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now I'm joined tonight on the panel, uh, right at the end from where I'm sitting, uh, by the one and only Trey Colbert. Good evening, Trey. How are you? Fantastic, boys. It was a big day of horse racing today. I've lost my money, and I'm going to lose more because the 74th Manitoba Derby is set to go off in two and a half hours. So if you see me throwing my hat, it's because I lost my farm today. Don't condone anyone else to do it, but I'll just lose mine. All right. Well, I was not expecting that introduction. Let's see what kind of an introduction the gentleman in the center has for us tonight. Bringing in Ryan Coop. Ryan? Hey, Mike. Happy to be here tonight. Uh, I handed over the keys to the car last week uh, to the three of you, and you did such a great job. I figured I'd come back in the passenger seat here tonight and uh, let Mike keep the keys a little bit longer. So uh, it was a great weekend of CFL football. It was a great Long weekend, had a lot of fun this weekend, and uh, looking forward to chatting some football here tonight to finish things off. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. You know, four interesting games, each interested in their own way, as I mentioned in the opening. I did not happen to be on the show last week, but we announced a brand new partnership, Ryan. Yeah, the Canadian Football Countdown is sponsored in part now by BetStamp. Uh, BetStamp's a free app, helps you find the best odds across different sports books to maximize the value of your online sports betting wagers. Uh, you can learn more at betstamp.app. The link's in the episode description. Also, sign up with referral code FREE. Uh, the code is CFC for Canadian Football Countdown. And uh, stay tuned for our betting segment later on in the podcast as well, also powered by BetStamp. Perfect, perfect. I heard it was a week of mixed results, but we'll have more on that quite later on. Um, Ironically enough, it also ties into a week of small football that I thought had uh, mixed results. Without further ado, let's talk about uh, the first game of the week last Thursday night, which saw the Hamilton Tiger Cats win again. Uh, Another win for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, this one 24 to 17 over the Montreal Alouettes. Well, I, I think we could make a case for one team slipping down the ladder out of the last couple of weeks. Um, maybe a second here uh, from the team that was on the road uh, this past weekend, Trey. 
Um, but all in all, what do we make of this? I mean, we have a quarterback in Dane Evans that's leading the lead in passing, leading the team in rushing. It, it, it's not sustainable, is it yet? It's win number two, and it's not pretty, but it's a win, Trey. Yeah, that's true. It is a win, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm still trying to think about what I feel about this East. Uh, yeah, Dane Evans is third in the league in passing yards, so I guess that's somewhat of an accomplishment. But he's also nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's a yucky stat you don't want to see. You don't want to be one for one. You probably want to be, what, four to one, three to one, maybe even more. So, yeah, and he shouldn't be leading the team in rushing. That's another stat that I just shake my head at. But, yeah, win's a win, and these uh, you got – the East isn't beating the West, except for teams are beating Saskatchewan, it looks like. So the East got to beat against, win against themselves, right? So we can't imagine the East games always being tied. I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's a tough one. I don't know. The East, it's hard to say a team wins in the East more than maybe a team loses more. You know, Ryan, do you kind of feel that way too? Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's very interesting to see Hamilton come out of this one as a win and with a win and two wins in the last three weeks. And now we're getting into a lot of East versus East matchups. We're going to be talking a lot about Hamilton and Toronto in the next five weeks because they play each other an absurd number of times, which is four of the next five weeks. And so Here's where we're really going to see, you know, how these East teams stack up against one another, because up until now, we've just been saying, well, they play the West. Okay. Well, they lost to the West again. Oh, this team coming close against the West. Nope. Never mind. They dropped it against the West over and over and over again. Now we see them go to head, head to head. Somebody's going to come out with a win. Somebody's going to start looking good out in the East division in the next number of weeks and very well could be the tie cats. If they can get on a bit of a roll here, I thought they had a slow start to the season, uh, slower than expected. And I, I had the feeling that eventually we would see Hamilton pick it up a little bit. And now's their chance here in the middle of the season, but tough schedule with, again, that those matches against Toronto. But you mentioned that Dane Evans is leading the team in rushing yards. And I heard this on the TSN broadcast of this game. And I was floored. Like, this is has to be one of the most ridiculous stats I've heard eight weeks into a CFL season that your starting quarterback is your leading rusher with 105 yards on the season. Your leading rusher has averaged 15 rushing yards a game. Now I know Hamilton, they go off and they, they run the ball in different ways, use their receivers, you know, different running backs rotated in. But that's insane to me, isn't it, Mike? It is, but really shouldn't. Can we be all that surprised? I mean, their running backs don't get a lot of play as it is. Um, I, I don't want to go so far to suggest that, um, you know, it's a Christmas miracle every time they run the ball. But, you know, we're, we're getting to that to that point where, you know, it is. Um, but, again, I'm just like, to me, I was taken aback by the way Hamilton played in this one and in a good way. Because I think as much as we chatise, that's the right word, or criticize their lack of uh, lack of a run game, we saw the Ticats get back to that identity 
that I thought made them a really good team last year. And it's not their offense. It's not their defense. It's one particular segment of the defense, and it's that defensive line. In fact, you know, I was, you know, it was posed on one of the Hamilton uh, post-game shows uh, who would be the player of the game. And I, I suggested, well, it should be the defensive line because that was just flat-off mean and nasty. Well, I'll tell you what, those five guys, six guys, whether they rotate guys in and out, um, all of which played a part. And for the most part, kept Trevor Harris guessing as to who was coming when. And, you know, as we've seen teams that like to play the local team here when they have a good defensive line, it messes with the other teams. Uh, it messes with the other team's offensive line. If they don't know what's coming, uh, the quarterback gets, I've heard it, duck feet, happy feet, whatever you want to call it. I was forced to throw the ball that extra half second early. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to criticize anything that Hamilton's done other than try to find a way, um, you know, to, to run the ball more, which is just absolutely befuddling to me. But maybe Tommy Condell should meet Jason Moss. And, oh, yeah, I think we're going to have a conversation about, about that uh, later on tonight. But, um, no, if, if I could just quickly switch this to Montreal here. Uh, they have fired uh, head coach Kahari Jones and defensive uh, and the defensive coordinator, and we have yet to see results uh, in the positive uh, direction on this, in my opinion. Um, Trevor Harris, to me, he's been okay, but I think he needs to be better. Uh, I, I think, you know, to me, I had high expectations for Montreal to perhaps take over Tate Hamilton. I haven't seen that. And the interesting part to me is usually it's set out there in the world of sports, guys. A coaching change uh, fires up a team. Just look at the Toronto Blue Jays. They're, what, 9-2 and two since they fired Charlie Montoyo? Might be slightly off on the numbers. To me, guys, there seems to be no change here through three games. In fact, a lot of the same problems are rearing their ugly head, uh, led by the penalties, led by the drops, led by the inconsistency of basically everybody on the field who's not a, for the most part, punt returner or kick returner. Um, so... But I think, guys, just really quickly, if there's one positive thing, guys, it's the emergence of Eugene Lewis again. Um, about time. I don't have him in my fantasy team, but he's a guy that deserves to get the ball more. And Ryan, you'll talk about your team had a terrific week uh, later on in the show. So I don't know. Am I being too critical on Montreal, or is it what they are with what they have? I, I would like uh, your opinion, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. Montreal's been so hit and miss this season. Like, I really don't know what to make of them. And that's kind of what I said in the offseason about them, too, is that I was not sold. I think I had them around a 500 team. I thought they'd win a few games. I thought they would, you know, struggle at times. And that's pretty much what we've seen from them. 
Uh, you know, you mentioned Trevor Harris. I thought didn't play too bad in this game, at least in the second half. I know Trey is going to get a little more into to how the game ended here for Trevor Harris in a second. But uh, just like we just talked about the leading rusher for Hamilton, well, Trevor Harris was the leading rusher for Montreal in this game. And this is a quarterback that never runs the ball. Like he is one of the least mobile, I would say, quarterbacks we generally see in the CFL. So there were some good things we saw here. Like you said, Eugene Lewis got it going pretty well in this one. But still, where is Jake Winicky? I mean, three catches for 16 yards. Like, we'll get into another guy actually later on when we talk about a different game who I think is the new Jake Winicky in the CFL. Uh, but the one we're used to is not showing up in Montreal. I think offensively, they're, they're having some depth issues here right now. Uh, for the Alouettes, and it's leading to some inefficiencies and inability to put uh, points on the board here for them, and it's costing them in a game like this. But, uh, you know, credit to them. They did put up 11 points on the board in the fourth quarter. Seemed like they were driving here late, had a chance to tie the game up and send it to overtime. But then, Trey, what ended up happening here with, uh, with Trevor Harris? That spotter takes him off the field, and that is a better's nightmare. I'm looking for them to tie the game up, send it to overtime, and I had the Montreal take, uh, winning the point spread on that one. That is a betting nightmare, taking the star quarterback out with a minute left or not even seconds left. And the difference was, I think this is now the second time we've seen this, right? We saw it with Caleros in week one. The difference was Caleros couldn't get up. He stumbled, he fell over, he looked like he looked like me after having three beers or like you know what I mean and a couple shots of tequila. That's what he looked like. You should not be playing football like that, right? Harris gets up, talks to his team, talks to the ref. He looks fine. The camera zooms in on him. He's looking at his playbook. Oh, take him out of the game. I don't know what that is. And I understand player safety to a degree, but if you were in any other sport, I just watched USC on Saturday. And two grown women beat the living crap out of each other for 25 minutes. And nobody stopped the fight. That's the point. I think a grown man can get hit at the 5 or whatever it was, the 15. Get up. He seemed fine. Get in the huddle. It was a betting nightmare. I was so mad. That's one of those games I think they... That's one of those ones that they should have canceled and just refunded. I know they don't always do that, but that was horrific. Starting quarterback goes out in a close game like that, but... That's my bet. I also lost a fair bit of money today on horses, so I don't want to talk about gambling right now. But that was just not a great way to my weekend. I I think we have an early candidate for rant of the night right there. Um, <laughs> you know what? And I, I oh man, Trey, you're just hilarious tonight. I like it. Um, that's why people say these podcasts shouldn't be so serious. Uh, I, I appreciate that about uh, everyone on this uh, podcast, even uh, Adam, who's watching tonight. Uh, keep up the, fu- the funny, witty side. Uh, yeah, I think I said this on the group chat. It drove me nuts, too. Um, I understand the rule. I understand the intent. But a little bit of common sense would, would go a long way. Um is the guy in distress? No. Um, like, okay, I, I hate to phrase it this way, but if that was the gray top on the line, somebody coming down on the 15, 20-yard line, down by seven, a chance to tie the game, are you taking that quarterback out? 
Probably not, uh, unless the trainer takes them out. Um, this kind of goes back to what I said. And if I could steal a line from Rod Peterson, by the way, the host of the Rod Peterson show on Game Plus TV Network, by the way, who in the long term, long time voice, former voice of the Saskatchewan on Fridays, who said something to the effect of, the games can't be officiated from a boardroom. Might I remind you and snip up that little debate where we had a week or two ago? I think it was last week on this show, Trey. Uh, there was about a 15-minute segment where we talked about officiating from the, from the command center. He, you don't know what he's thinking. It's not like it's a deliberate headshot. And I'm not going to say that Trevor Harris, you know, doesn't come out and that's playing short on interception. But that's why it's saying, hey, kid, you haven't played all game. Here you go, 15-yard line, one play a chance to get in the end, though. No pressure, kid. Sorry, I'm just so fed up. And uh, Trey put that one on a platter for me. And the CFL needs to have common sense of when, when to pull people. Uh, maybe you need to have a time limit where you say, okay, you know what? The guy has to come out. He has to get shot. If he's good to go, he's good to go. This pulling star quarterback with under a minute left in the critical point. And let's not forget, these teams are close to each other in the standings. Imagine two points either way on the other side of this coming into week 21. I don't get it. Now, Kalaros was the outlier to the situation because I believe the right decision was made there because he was in clear distress. But to me, I didn't see any distress here, and that's what drives me absolutely up the wall. Um, do they do it to hockey players? No. Um, just a little bit of common sense, please. That's all I ask. Well, and to to add to this, too, it's so magnified because it's happened twice now in the final like minute of a game, right? And the only two times it's happened is in the final minute. If we started seeing this a little bit more often, you know, say first quarter, second quarter on some of these hits as well, because we're getting a lot of hits to the you know, to quarterbacks that uh, are potentially warranting this in a game. But uh, when it happens, you know, in these two key moments and it's the Bombers were fortunate enough uh, to be able to overcome that, right, in their instance and, and go on to win the game, Montreal didn't here. It's an unfortunate circumstance to have it happen with literally eight seconds left on the game, one playmaker break. Again, I like what you said, Mike, that I don't know if they come back and actually tie this game, even if Trevor Harris is in there. Uh, Dom Davis certainly wasn't helping himself by throwing a pass on his last chance that didn't even make it to the end zone and ended up being intercepted uh, at like the five yard line. Um, but uh, yeah, the hit as well. You know, I agree with you guys. If he's clearly getting up, if he's fine, probably should be allowed to keep him in there if he says he's ready to go. We always know the athletes are going to, you know, try to mitigate their injuries, try to minimize them a little bit so that they can stay out there. Uh, I am actually impressed by the spotters that they have taken a star quarterback out twice uh, in meaningful moments and appreciate that they are, you know, clearly thinking about player safety. I'm borderline on whether or not they got this one right. Like you said, it seems it seems like he was seems like he was fine and should have been allowed to stay in the game on this one. But 
I'd like to just add one more thing. Uh, Mel Steedle, David Sanchez were on the panel posting. Uh, I, I love both those guys. Uh, they both said that the threat call was made. Uh, my question is to both of them. If that was you in the middle of the game and the spotter told you to get out at that point in the game, would you still have the same opinion? I, I respect those two guys. I know tomorrow Mel Steedle was my favorite bomber. David Sanchez was the guy that I hated to see on the other side of the football field in Montreal. So, again, I understand it. It's probably CFL messaging. Probably the broadcaster wanted to protect the lead a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, it's just, I think that that's the gray area here. Um, and maybe the agitating part of this is exactly like what one of you said. It's the time in the game. It's not a 17-point game. And Don Davis is trying to make this a 10-point game. It just so coincidentally happens to be that it's the biggest points. Uh, it's the biggest points. Uh, it's the biggest point of the. Uh, it's the biggest point of the game, right? So, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where, you know, we're gonna have to trust it. Uh, I don't feel the game should be officiated in the boardroom. I think that's what uh, Rod Peterson's comment was. Uh, the game should not be officiated in the boardroom. I agree. Uh, but this will be a topic that we could hit till basically all night long, uh, till we're green, till we're, I don't know, till we're blue in the face, <laughs> um, whatever you want to, whatever the saying is there. Um, on a much, well, unhappier note, the neighbors to the west did not have a very good second half. Uh, en route to the Nathan Work Show aided by a couple of receivers and spectacular catches. Uh, the BC Lions move into second place this week in the West, officially on their own. Now that we know um, how the week has ended, where do we start on this one? Because I can make the argument for both sides. Those that say Derek Marino, you know, a bunch of other linemen hurt, the injuries piling up in Saskatchewan. But there's also this side of me that said, no, BC took the game in the second half. They were not happy with their first half. They wanted to do something about it and did do something about it. They did uh, to the tune of winning this game 32-17. My question for both of you, uh, and we'll start with Trey on this one. Was this the BC Lions being that good? Or did the BC Lions benefit from a very ineffective Saskatchewan squad who, in essence, basically scored no points in the second half, had a almost double digit in um, three and outs, which is just remarkable. Where do we sit on this game? Uh, I sit on the side that BC took this game. It's Friday night in Mosaic. I believe I just saw 27 plus thousand. There's no reason in a road team should win this game. I don't care about injuries. I don't care about standings. Uh, you know, the three of us up here are Bomber fans. How many times have a way better Bomber team went into Saskatchewan and got absolutely spanked? 
BC is the better team, but they're going into Mosaic. Mosaic is that place that you don't want to play. And not because it's not a great stadium. It's because you don't want to play against the Riders in Saskatchewan. And I said, I think Saskatchewan, yeah, there's a lot of issues, but there's no excuse. Next man up, get in there, find a way to win. I think I told you in the group chat, the yucky status Saskatchewan, they're three and three against the Eastern division. They're the only West team to have lost to an Eastern team this year. I believe that like that, that you can't, if they want to make the playoffs, they got to turn that around because they're not, they're right now fighting for like the wild, uh, not wild card crossover spot with the East teams. They don't have it handily anymore. You know, Montreal and Ottawa are only a couple of games behind them. And you know, I, I don't know what to make of Saskatchewan. And, and I was talking about a spicy hot take. We all, and my, my theory here is I believe Fajardo won't be the quarterback in Saskatchewan. And I don't think that's, that's not the spicy one next year, but my spicy one, will be his choice. I think Saskatchewan might even try to keep him around, but he's going to say, nah, there's a team that Toronto that could use a quarterback. Montreal could use a quarterback. Ottawa could use a quarterback. Hamilton might be able to use one. Heck BC, if Rourke goes South, you know, there's going to be teams, Edmonton, there's six teams that could definitely use a quarterback like Fajardo. I, I think Fajardo is better than most of those guys on the teams I said, except for Rourke. But like I said, he might go. Cleveland needs a quarterback for six to seven weeks. You never know what the NFL might want, right? So that's my hot take there. Yeah, I agree with Cat. Uh, Maybe give the backup a chance because he always that's the favorite player on the team, right? But not because he's a better quarterback because I think Fajardo, like I, I've been saying for weeks, he's going to Andrew Luckett. He's going to retire maybe four or five, six years before he should because he's going to be a walking Band-Aid and not because of him, just because of the team around him, Ryan? I like the take, Trey. I like the take on that one there. Uh, yeah, Fajardo played in this game, I think, on our preview show last week. Uh, we all said we didn't think he should, uh, you know, coming into the bye week, give him another week to rest, get healthy, etc. He came out. He didn't get hurt in this game, so I'll, I'll give the Riders credit for that because it could have gone much worse than it did. But also, you know, he came out there. He played okay. He didn't play fantastic. He, uh, definitely not one of his better games, and they still lost anyway. So now I'm, you know, results-oriented telling you, yeah, I stand by what I said earlier, that Fajardo shouldn't have played in this game because clearly it didn't help the Riders in the end here in this one anyways. Uh, and I don't think that's Fajardo's fault. I think it's partially the injuries. I think it's partially the O-line is very injured right now. His receivers weren't helping him a ton. And the Jason Moss that was abducted by aliens a couple weeks ago and replaced with a capable offensive coordinator, uh, the aliens got sick of him, I guess, and sent him back because the last couple of games were back to, we have the best running back in the league and Jamal Morrow arguably right now, one of the best. Now we don't need to use them. Why, why would we do that, right? You think, oh, Jamal Morrow is going to have a big game this week because Frankie Hickson's not taking any of the touches. No, no, we're just going to give him the ball eight times only again. I've ranted, you know, I've ranted a lot about Saskatchewan here. I think a good chunk of this game is Saskatchewan on Saskatchewan for losing it. But your initial question, Mike, about, you know, was it Saskatchewan or was it BC? This you can't take away from this impressive win by the Lions here either. This is a great game by a great team, the BC Lions. You've got a rookie quarterback, or not a rookie, but, you know, seven, eight games into his career. And how many times this season have we seen him face a little bit of adversity and quickly turn it around and pump out a couple key drives to get his team either back in it or into the league? Like, 
I've been saying it every single week uh, over on Twitter, and I'll continue the bit here on the podcast. I think it's time to put Nathan Rourke in the Hall of Fame. I'm ready. I don't need to see anymore. Put him in there. Get get the bust made right now uh, because I am very impressed by what he has done so far. 82% of his passes on this one, 336 yards and two touchdowns. Man, I love watching the kid play. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because you couldn't have seen this coming uh, last year with my, uh, Michael Riley and then the two games that he did play. You, you, you really couldn't have seen this coming. Um, you know, one thing that strikes me, and I didn't watch the game, but I was listening to the, uh, to the game on Ryder Radio, and, well, at the end of the, toward the end of the game, Michael Ball was kind of giving the writers a little bit of, and rightly so, frustration. Uh, you know, there was one throw that Rourke made that I was wide open, had all the time in the world to throw, and, uh, Baldy was saying something to the effect of he could have had a pizza, he could have had a coffee, and then, and then decided to throw the ball. Um, the angle I want to take on this is quite simply this. BC Lions brought in a lot of offensive pieces that have made their quarterback successful. Uh, they took advantage of the fact that their quarterback is making, I think it's just over or under the league minimum. I think it's 80,000 or something like that in and around that number. Um, and, and they've surrounded them with world-class talent. Uh, running running back, some receivers, an offensive line. Remember the discussion we were having about them two years ago concerning uh, even last year to an extent about the BC Lions? Pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and that quarterback, Nathan Ward. And let me just speak on this for a minute because these two know very well how stubborn I have been on Nathan Ward. Uh, I refuse to take him in our CFC fantasy draft. I refuse to acknowledge that the die is there, but the last number of weeks I have come around to the fact that Nathan Ward is not your prototypical quarterback. Notice how I didn't say CFL quarterback. I said quarterback. I've never seen a guy be so much of a gunslinger who knows that he is that good, that if a guy is double covered, he can find a way to get the guy the ball. It's just he's making decisions that sit and seven-year quarterback in this lead have problems doing. Uh, it's like him and his receivers are like computer programs. Oh, it's, it's just it's frustrating to watch if you're a team that wants the BC Lions to work. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. The CFL's poster child about exactly what happens when you give a Canadian a chance to flourish in the Canadian Football League. So, BC, well done, Saskatchewan. Just a quick thing here. How do you how do you stop running the ball up 10 to 1 and in total control? I don't know. I, I just don't know. You're in total control. You don't lose control of the football game until very, very late. 
you had ample opportunities to get that running game going, and it just didn't happen. And this is why I do not blame Cody Fajardo. You asked him to throw the ball 50 times, he's going to probably complete 22 of them. But that's an awful lot of pressure to ask from your quarterback. And you you made it. You might as well spend the bye week bringing in some offensive linemen because, yeah, enough said there. Uh, I, I don't take pride in the Riders' downfall um, because I have friends that are Rider fans. I have a significant other's family that's Rider fans. Um, CFL needs to have. Saskatchewan, be good, and not only because the Grey Cup is in their yard. When the Bombers are dread, the Riders are dread, everybody benefits. But, you know what? Through eight weeks of the year, surprise number one, the BC Lions, and let's see where this team can go, because this is quickly turning into a three-horse race in the West, and two of those Titans Matt, on the football field in Calgary. Well, can I just put one thing in? You didn't let me talk about Nathan Rourke. I know we're, I know we're running out of time okay. here, guys. Okay. I want one okay. point. Okay. Sorry, one point. Go ahead. You, I don't really want to call – it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of really good for eight weeks, right? I want him to win against Winnipeg and Calgary and then win against those teams in October, November – then we can crown his ass and say he's Hall of Fame after one year, right? But other than that, I agree. He's a great player. I agree with that. And I think that he's a key key person to show this. I really think the CFL, I talked about it with Mike. I was bugging him on his NHL show about a soft cap. And he's a guy that I would say the CFL needs a soft cap or a player that doesn't apply to the cap. Because you're telling me an NFL team comes with, I don't know, one, two, three mil of a backup quarterback salary that 600, 700,000 Canadians going to keep him in BC and provide him a team around him and do anything? No, probably not. So that's where I'm like, BC would be voting for a no salary cap or soft cap kind of thing because they should pay him all the money in the world that they have, just $5 million, whatever they can throw at him, kind of money to keep him there, build a team around him with the other, and go from it. But other than that, yes, Nathan Rourke has been the my MOP first eight weeks Hall of Fame. I don't think we're going to see him in Hamilton quite yet in that Hall of Fame. Uh, but, you know, he'll be there maybe if, if, if the NFL – and, again, if he gets scooped up by the NFL, are you really going to put him in the Hall of Fame for one great year? I, I'd like to clarify, I am very much being sarcastic well, about the Hall know, of Fame. But, <laughs> I know, but – Here's the counterpoint. Ryan only wants him in the Hall of Fame because he's the big reason why he's beating all of us in the football pool. Playing oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as soon as Nathan Rourke goes into the Hall of Fame, I go into the uh, the the CFC Hall of Fame here, and I retire too after uh, taking him in round five in our fantasy draft. Thank you, fellas. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm being sarcastic. I don't think Rourke is ready for the Hall of Fame quite yet, but I think after this next week he might be. Yeah, and <laughs> sorry, Adam, I'll have to send you some tissues. Uh, I, I did see your comment. Uh, I, I didn't mean to make you cry. Uh, so a much happier note, and probably the game of the week, 
The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are 8-0. My, oh, my, oh, my. And I put this on Facebook. Uh, those of you who follow me personally on Facebook, which is some of you, uh, I'm running out of superlatives or adjectives or wow words, I guess, uh, to describe uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Ryan, uh, one happy development is the running game has shown up this week. <laughs> yeah, the running game has showed up, Ryan. Uh, 110 yards for one Brady Oliveira. The ice cream tasting pretty darn dead, Ryan. Who would have who seen it coming? All of a sudden, the Bombers found their run game. It, it felt like eventually it was going to happen, right? Like I, like all of these teams that are struggling with the run, you're waiting for the week it breaks out. Like even with Hamilton, it being so bad. Last season, Don Jackson all of a sudden at the end of the year. Oh, there we go. Trey's getting ready um, to talk about this. Uh, like Hamilton last year, Don Jackson all of a sudden rejuvenated their run game. Like Brady Oliveira, he's had some tough going so far this season. Maybe, you know, Johnny Augustine being a little nicked up. He was, I think, questionable for this game. He ended up still being the backup. But maybe that took a bit of a weight off the shoulders of Brady Oliveira to say, you're going to be the number one guy in this game. You're going to get the reps. Now go out there and do it. And we saw this a couple times last season where he had big games too. He's week after week been picking up his rushing totals. And he looked fantastic in this game. I loved every little bit of it. He looked like he hit an energy level we hadn't seen once yet this season from Brady Oliveira. And now the question, Trey, becomes, can he keep it up going forward? But uh, surely as a, as a run game guy yourself, you have to be happy about this one. I mean, gosh, I hope they keep it up back-to-back against Montreal by week and then home uh, home to Calgary. But you know what I mean? The two weeks against Montreal, this is their time to run it down their throats, right? And give Caleros some time off. But the next two weeks, Caleros should only complete seven passes and get two wins somehow, you honestly, right? How they've been playing. But yeah, the run game, again, it's one of those stats that snuck up on me. I felt Oliveira was actually getting the ball and moving it, but I didn't realize he hit 110 until I heard it in the you know fourth quarter. But yeah, you could just tell they were giving him the ball. And, uh, yeah, I ran out of vanilla ice cream, so what Keith had to do tonight. Um, so it, the run game, yeah, I'm preaching it all year. I guess uh, Buck Pierce and uh, Coach Osh might be fans of our show. They finally listened and gave the ball to the guy. I don't care who it is, if it's Oliveira or Augustine. I think they're both, or them McCray even, or Dembski. But they got to run the ball for 100-plus yards a, a game if they want to keep this going. And, uh you know, we talked about it last week. I said, what would happen first, Ottawa's win or Winnipeg's loss? And I can't remember what we all said, but I think I was leaning towards Winnipeg going undefeated more than Ottawa going winless, right? So we got one more week of that for sure, boys, right? Yeah, I just want to jump in here really quickly because we saw a new kind of wrinkle from this Blue Bomber offense, not to talk all about Winnipeg here in this whole segment. We'll just the Chowdhury in just a minute. But, guys, I wonder, was that running game helped out by the adi- by the addition of long lost quarterback who got off the six-game injured list, uh, whose name uh, presently escapes me? Um, Dakota Prokop? Yeah, Dakota Prokop. It seemed like uh, 
I was sitting in Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton. Uh, and then, 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 then the name escaped me. Uh, but Dakota Prokop, that opposite game uh, and into the game in a very big way. Again, we haven't talked about receiver edition number one, number one who might top all of that. But we saw some gadget plays from a bomber, third down, second down, whatever you want to call it, uh, trickery slash quarterback coming in and mixing things up a little bit on third down. Um, as well as I think, guys, this was just simply Brady Oliveira reading the headlines. I don't care what you say. And trying to rewrite the narrative for a week. But Dakota Prokop, to me, I don't think it's an accident that the run game got going. Uh, all of a sudden, when they had a little bit more options at quarterback, uh, to be able to run that option play, something to think about. It's another wrinkle that we hadn't seen from Buff Pierce before. Um, but, guys, I have to bring this up when we talked about the Calgary Stampeders here. We have one stubborn quarterback in the form of Bo Levi Mitchell, who I think in one word is very defiant uh, about losing to the Bombers. And, you know, if you read the Three Down Nation story, you would have thought that he threw the Bombers under the bus. And that's kind of the story of a headline doesn't do the story justice. You have to read the story. He said the Bombers are the best, better team right now, but made abundantly clear that the rematch in three weeks uh, will be important on the 25th there, Thursday night football. And he fully expects to see them in the playoffs, although Hall of Famer Nathan Work might have other things to say about that one. Um... Where are we on Boldy by Mitchell? Is this just Boldy by Mitchell trying to create some, I don't know, get his guys going? Uh, talking down the Bombers to an extent to get his guys going? Because if you look at Calgary's record, 4 0 against everybody else not named the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 0 2 against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, what is the. What is the idea, or what is Boldy by Mitchell trying to do? And either one of you can jump in on this. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in on this. I was actually a little bit surprised to see so much of a stink made on social media about these comments from Boldy by Mitchell. Like, they seemed pretty average, regular comments from him. Then again, everything he says is taken out of proportion, I think, by by fans across the league who clearly don't like him from every other fan base, but Calgary. Um, I thought this was run of the mill. I thought this was, yeah, you lost a game here, but you know, we're week eight. The gray cup is played in November. We're not there yet. We've seen teams. We've seen his own teams in the Calgary Sam Peters have dominating seasons and then go on and lose it in the playoffs. Like the CFL is such a parody league that, and that's P A R I T Y, not a, not like a parody of itself, but there's so much parody in the word in the league that 
Like anything's possible once the teams make the playoffs and sure Winnipeg's looking good right now. And uh, you know, eight and oh, and they've now in their last, you know, couple of weeks, they've rattled off wins twice over Calgary, over BC. Those are very respectable wins against two really good clubs, but wait till November before we start planning the parade. I don't think it's quite there yet. And I, think Bo is right in saying that like what else is he gonna say after a loss he's not gonna say oh yeah we suck we don't stand a chance I hope we don't face these guys in the playoffs no that instills zero confidence in your team you want to instill confidence in your guys you want to be out there saying what I think is a true fact that these teams are gonna face each other again this season I hope they face in the playoffs because I know it's gonna be a darn good game if they do uh what do you think Trey well, I'm going to look at this from the other side, and uh, I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to have to take these comments and uh, do it like a girlfriend. Forgive, but don't forget. And so in two weeks, they're going to play Montreal. They're going to forget about it. And then that bye week comes around. And if Coach Osh doesn't go and pin that up on the board and say, boys, look at that. And then they're going to be like the girlfriends that remember the fight from two months ago, right? And be like, remember that? And that's what that defense is going to do uh, on that game in Calgary. And maybe Bo comes out winning, but Bo's going to back up what he wants to say. And the defense is, you, you really think a guy like Jefferson and Jeff Coat and Biggie, they might not talk about it, but that's going to be in the back of their head come three, four weeks, uh, I guess four weeks when they play next. And it's going to be there in November if they play. I think. And I guess, guys, that's why I bring it up because. You know, we see what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers do with bulletin board material, and it did go out and win, uh, quite frankly. And they will leave very little bulletin board material for the other team. I think it was Edmonton, I want to say, where the, or BC, I think, where the, it may, may have been BC, BC where, where they were called average, and they ended up turning around. And I, I think it was the BC game now that I think about it. Uh, I, I'm just curious why Bully by Mitchell would want bulletin board material like that out there. I understand. I, I don't think it's a matter of taking comments out of uh, out of context at all. Uh, just a real, really quick uh, thing as well. Uh, Calgary had two players leave the game due to injury. Uh, center McEwen and a defensive bat, Trey Roberson. Uh can't remember Trey Roberson's position off the top of my head. Uh, both of which were set in half injuries. Uh, both of which the players did not return. Just a bit on the injury front for Calgary, uh, Ryan. I know you've always been 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 high on uh, Trey Roberson right from uh, when he was in the lead, and of course uh, Shane McHugh in the center, um, especially for a rematch. Uh, in three weeks' time, uh, the injury bud may be starting to hit Calgary a little bit. Is that like normally we're talking about the year of quarterbacks going down due to injury, but is this year the year of the center? Like it feels like every team around the league has lost their starting center, which is insane. Uh, yeah, those are two big injuries to lose. Uh, Trey Roberson, also a very big part of that defense backfield. I've been very impressed with the number of guys stepping up on defense there, but. It seemed like they couldn't necessarily get the red zone stops in this one, especially late when they needed it. And that's what this game came down to, right? Is it really came down to Calgary kicking field goals and Winnipeg putting up touchdowns on the board is how this game 
uh, went down here. And you know what? I get what you were saying before, Trey, about the bulletin board material. That's a good point. I'm just happy Bowie by Mitchell didn't reference any ice cream flavors because, uh, well, you know how that ends for teams here. Um, but I mean, just to sum up this game as a whole, I don't think you could have asked for it. This was the best football game of the year, and I don't think it's getting topped this season. Like, we're talking about a game, 35-28 final score, zero turnovers from either side, zero sacks. I think there were, like, five penalties in the game. The game moved along as well. The lead changed constantly. Like, these were the heavyweights in the league. These are the top two teams, in my opinion, in the league going head-to-head here. I'm excited to see how they do in a couple of weeks and uh, what kind of bulletin board material all arrives uh, by then. Uh, Trey, any any other thoughts on this game? I don't know. You say it might not be top, but I bet it'll be topped in four weeks when they meet again on Thursday night at IG Field, especially if Bo tries to back up his statements and the Bomber defense puts that up on the board, right? Yes, it was Fraser Ali, uh, CF uh, Farmer in Saskatchewan, Adam there. Uh, it's... Uh, very good uh, analogy there. And like I said, UFC on Saturday night, UFC started early with Winnipeg and Calgary going head to head in, in uh, McMahon stadium. Right. And I think we're going to see it again. It's going to be, Saskatchewan. I mean, Winnipeg Calgary three, if you want to do the UFC uh, kind of uh, annotation to it in a few weeks and yeah, definitely. It's tough. I kind of want, it's kind of tough. I can't decide who I want to see more in the playoffs, BC, Calgary, Winnipeg, I don't know. This is where I almost wish it was like a round robin playoffs where they all play each other once or something and go from there. It's going to be tough. And then who knows? Saskatchewan maybe can maybe, can maybe get better. So that'll be a fourth team you want to see. It's going to be good in the West. And then you have the East. Who knows who's going to be the best team, right? Like who knows if any of those teams are going to do anything. But yeah, let's talk about the Sunday afternoon game. I'm good, boys. Yeah, the one thing I will add about this is it's too bad Winnipeg and BC's other two meetings are so late in the season because my fear is those games not really meaning anything uh, unless BC wins a lot of those games in hand. Uh, I think it's fair to say, barring a massive collapse, uh, the West will run through IG Field for the second straight season. Um, it just remains to be, be seen what. Um but guys, just really quickly on the field here, can we describe or I guess try to explain the value of Zach Polaros? I mean, you know, I don't mean to get ahead into somebody's player of the week format, uh, potentially uh, stealing somebody's funder, but I'm going to ask we wind up stealing double funder and suggest to you that. You know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, Dalton Sean had two touchdowns. Uh, Ned Dempsey had two touchdowns. Um, everybody says, oh, you know, Ned Dempsey had two touchdowns. Let's not forget, folks. He had two big setting down drabs inside the final three minutes, which helped them run off the majority of that time. And, guys, what a monster we have on the other side of the ball in Kadeem Carey. He's the best running back in the CFL. And it's not even close. The guy hands off the ball. He reminds me so much like Andrew Harris. Two steps and boom, he's got four yards before he even made contact. It's going to be a heck of a showdown in two weeks. But it will not be a playoff showdown. Spoiler alert. Uh, The final game of the week, which we saw on Sunday, yesterday, 
featured the Ottawa Red Blacks getting their first win of the season, 23-13 over the Toronto Ardenauts. If I can jump in here with my comments quickly on this game, we draw notions on the Toronto Ardenauts like they're going to pick up steam. They're not trained back-to-back wins against Saskatchewan. They're going to find a way to get going. And then they play a game like yesterday. No short week. No anything. No excuses. No added short week, long flight. No, none of that. I'm just so confused how the Ardos can come out of yesterday, especially having played the previous two weeks against Saskatchewan very, very well for the most part. And then come out with a performance like this. Uh, and quite honestly, they did not meet their opponent's desperation level of a winless football team. And to be honest, the game that I expected the least for Ottawa to win, they won. I don't know. Uh, just break this up into two chunks. We'll start with Ottawa first, uh, with their first one of the season. Paul Apple saying he was proud of the defensive performance by his squad. I would concur with that. Um, what have we made of Ottawa's quarterbacking situation, uh, Trey? I mean, this guy hasn't necessarily done anything to lose them games, but he's given them a puncher's chance in every game. Um, perhaps time to look at this long term and, uh oh. Poor Nick Arbuckle. He gets traded somewhere thinking he didn't be the number one. And then the guy in front of him is like he's a personal motivator to the guy who we painted getting uh, his opening temporarily, which is turning into more than temporarily. I don't know about you guys, but I really like this kid playing quarterback for Ottawa right now. Yeah, I agree. And he's done everything in his power to make Nick Arbuckle still hold the clipboard, right? Like, that's, and that's what that's professional sports, right? We all know that you you get a you have your opportunity, um, and you run with it, right? And and we've seen that in the CFL. I feel like you see it you see it the most in football, and I feel like you see it more in CFL over the other leagues. Injury comes up, you get your shot, kid, you're in, and then rest is history, right? When we talk about. Bo Levi was a backup. Claros was a backup. You know, all these guys are backups and they get their opportunity. Tom Brady was a backup and got his up. He was the last draft pick in the round in the draft year, I'm pretty sure. And the rest is history, right? Um the uh, the thing the, uh, the thing I want to talk about, I don't really have much to talk about Ottawa in this game because again, I agree with what you were saying before. Toronto had the opportunity to stranglehold the East. They would have been, if they had won, they would have been what, four and two? And they would have been in the standings better than Saskatchewan and tied with Calgary, right? They had their chance to say, Hey, this is our division. The other three teams in the East are the garbage dumpster fires. We're not, we're four and two. We're the same as Calgary. We have the same amount of wins as Saskatchewan, way less losses. We have Andrew Harris. We have, you know, Brandon Banks, MBT is doing his thing. We're moving up. No, they lose to Ottawa, you know, and at home. And again, it's, so, and again, looking at Toronto, 17 rushing yards. You have Andrew Harris, who went over 100 last week against Saskatchewan, and then you go with 17 with him. You got to get those up, and I just don't know what to do. And 
I have something else I want to talk about. But we'll talk, it's off the game, so I'll let you guys finish up the game, and then if you guys give me two minutes to talk about this, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I'll weigh in here on the quarterbacks. I like Adam put in the YouTube chat. Uh, hot take, Nick Arbuckle gets traded to Saskatchewan and Fajardo has an MOP season. Uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Arbuckle, uh, great motivator, like you said there, Mike. Caleb Evans is playing fantastic. And every week I'm waiting for last season Caleb Evans to show up. You know, uh, the not very accurate, throw a couple interceptions. 83% of his passes in this one, 286 yards, two touchdowns. He added 30 on the ground here again. Caleb Evans is making the most of his opportunity here. And I, I'm, I'm the type of person that never likes to see a guy lose his job due to injury. But I'll give you a bit of a hot take. If, once Jeremiah Mazzoli is ready to come back from injury, I don't think he does, I don't think he should have the starting job back. I think Caleb Evans should be the starting quarterback for this team the rest of the way this season. And I'll continue with my hot take and say perhaps he's the starting quarterback for this team next season as well, even though Mazzoli's under a two-year contract. And you never want to see a guy lose his, lose, you know, his spot due to injury, but you can't deny that Evans has put them within, you know, close to putting up a win the past number of weeks, and this week they finally got it. And we kind of had that assumption the past few weeks, or at least I did, where Ottawa's getting closer. They've had a couple of close games. It seems one of these days they're going to break through. And they did that in this one. And they pulled off a win against Toronto here. And, you know, for Ottawa, they have a brilliant opportunity if they can pile a couple wins together here to vault themselves up to the top of the East Division. Uh, I know that might be crazy to say after they just got their first one. But uh, Toronto and Hamilton play each other four times in the next five weeks. I'm going to guess those two teams, they're splitting those games a decent amount there. If Ottawa can start getting it together here, they're picking up wins. These other two teams are splitting it. Well, then all of a sudden you look at Ottawa or Montreal as an opportunity to vault even ahead of both of them. So win number one was a good start here for the Red Blacks. Now let's see what they can do coming into this week. They've got a tough matchup. I believe they're playing the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, but Ottawa has a decent track record of playing against Calgary. So... Uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll have to. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that one a little bit more on our Wednesday night preview show. But I'm excited to see how Ottawa follows this one up. I'm very, very up on what I saw from them in this game. Uh, what about the Argos side of things, Mike? Yeah, um, you can tell the look on my face of disgust. Uh, I had a fantasy football player in this game who only had 17 yards. <laughs> His name is Andrew Harris. Jeez, um, I don't know, guys. Um, Jacqueline Hyde would be the real word to describe Toronto. Um, you know, it's very interesting because I I never felt like Ottawa was that far ahead where Toronto couldn't involve Andrew Harris a little bit more. To me, and I judging only by highlights. There were opportunities for Andrew Harris to run the ball. Um, for some reason, they didn't do it. Uh, a lot of self-inflicted mistakes for Toronto uh, as well. But I just don't understand how Andrew Harris has such a poor showing. Um, to me, I, I don't know. It's like I'm very disappointed. I expected more from Toronto. No disrespect to Ottawa. 
uh, 13 yards for or 17 yards for uh, Andrew Harris. That's not what I had on my bingo card, and that's putting my fantasy team wishes aside. Um, I, I didn't think that this game was a 21-point game in any way where you could abandon Andrew Harris. I, I think he's a game-changer. I I would be really concerned if if I'm Toronto from this game. Uh, to play down to the level of your opponent, uh, it's just it's just befuddling to me. And here we go again. I'm going to say it right now. Doors open for Hamilton if they want to take it. But I think Hamilton has the most experience of anybody in this division. And you know what? I see every week, no disrespect intended, why the Bombers were willing to let Andrew Harris get a pay cut and, in essence, move on from Andrew Harris. I'm not saying his career is over. Uh, it's not. I want the guy to have success. I don't want to make too much of one game. But to me, it's incredibly befuddling that Andrew Harris only has 17 yards rushing. Uh, for a game that was as close as it was for as long as it was. And you know what? Maybe maybe Ottawa had it in them with the Lapolis connection to shut down Andrew Harris. But again, we're in this one good game, one bad game. One good game, one bad game for McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, if Andrew Harris isn't going to run the ball, McLeod Bethel Thompson has to take matters into his own hands. Much like when the Bombers didn't have a running game for the most part of the season, their quarterback took it on their shoulders. I didn't see any of that. And, boy, I hate to overreact to one loss, but my feelings on the Ardles are souring in a real hurry, and they're going to have a chance to redeem themselves uh, pretty quickly with some pretty important games coming up. I think it's a little too harsh to be – you know, critical on, on the Andrew Harris signing or the Andrew Harris move for 17 yards on the script. He added, you got to count in the, if you count in the receiving yards as well, a lot of those dump passes, 48 yards on five catches on six targets there as well. Like to me, this is more of a game of a bad offensive game plan than it is, you know, down on the town of Andrew Harris, who is up there as one of the leading rushers in the league this season, despite two bye weeks so far this year for them. So I think it was just an off game. I think it was a poor offensive game plan. And uh, the big thing for Toronto right now, week after week, seems to be that they can put the yards up, but they're not putting the touchdowns on the board. And that's, uh, you know, against the worst passing defense in the league in Ottawa, putting up 13 points on the board is just not acceptable uh, with the talent they have in that offense. It was a down game for the Argos, maybe up a little high after two big wins over Saskatchewan. But uh they got to bounce back going forward here, especially with the home and home. Uh, anything on the Argos here for you, Trey, or uh, did you want to get to uh, the other story you want to talk about? Yeah, just real quick. It was tied at half. So, like, you I mean why are you not going to Harris in the third, fourth quarter? It's tied. Like, it's a it's a zero zero ball game basically, and that's when Andrew Harris thrives. And that's basically all. I, I, again, I don't I don't trash Harris on that. It's it's the gameplay, our game plan. I think. Uh, Covering from the head coach, and there's a couple coaches in the East. You kind of scratch your head and go, "Are you really? Are you really head coaches?" But we'll see. Maybe more in the off season when those come. But yeah, my off season or my other thing. 
We've had a couple Sunday games now, guys, and I don't know what your Twitter feeds look like, but my Twitter feed sees a lot of people saying, why don't we have Sunday games until Labor Day? Now, my opinion is I'm not against it necessarily. I just never thought of it because the CFL and the most CFL fans are very anti-NFL. You know what I mean? Anything the NFL does, let's not do it. So I always thought Sunday games, for the most part, were out of the question because that leans towards an NFL format, right? By all means, I would scrap the Thursday game. I hate Thursday night football. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather have a Sunday afternoon game and worry about work on Monday than go to a Thursday night game, right, and worry about work on Friday, because then you know and stuff like that. So I'd rather have maybe one on Friday and then split the three up on Saturday, Sunday. But what's your guys' thought? Like I said, I thought the CFL fan were so anti-NFL anything that I thought Sunday was out of the question except for playoffs and Grey Cup, which we can't move those for some reason. Ryan or Rat, which whoever. Yeah, it's been interesting. I've never been huge into the Sunday games in the past. Personally, I've always wished that the playoff games were at least spread out. Maybe one Saturday, one Sunday on the week would be a nicer flow there for me. Uh, based on my own kind of schedule-wise, Sunday games never worked out. So I was kind of happy they weren't on there before. But now, you know, different schedules and stuff. And uh, it seems like everybody's loving the Sunday matchups, and I'm all for spreading them out to to have football all weekend long. You know, it's it's as somebody who preps things for a podcast and has to do the fantasy results right before you know uh, following a Sunday night game, I kind of like that extra day in there. But as a fan and along with somebody, uh, you know, watching how much people are enjoying it. If it gets more fans involved, it gets more people able to tune in. I'm all for these Sunday games. I love getting like four four days a week. Maybe you get one double header in there on a Friday or a Saturday. Uh, I think there's definitely things the CFL could do scheduling-wise to, to bring in more fans. And it seems like Sundays could potentially be one of them. And not to cut you off, Mike, I'll let you talk, but I guess another little point question. Is this like an Eastern team special? Because, again, uh, Adam makes the point, you know, we devil's advocate someone in Saskatchewan traveling. Do you think Winnipeg and Saskatchewan would buy into the Sundays? Because we've kind of owned our Thursday, Friday here a little bit more, maybe the football-hungry CFL towns, right? And they put these weird games on Sunday, Wednesdays, and whatever, and, and Toronto and Ottawa, right? So is it something we, we, we see Sunday football – in Winnipeg, other than Labor Day Bangible kind of stuff, Mike? You know what, Dave? I'm, I, I'm split because I love Thursday Night Football from the standpoint that if Winnipeg is playing, I get my weekend to go to the cabin after, and I don't have to necessarily worry about, you know, or worry about. It's not a worry that I listen either way, but. You know, it's kind of nice to have that weekend. Uh, in the same sense, uh, I, I get the grumbling about, you know, Thursday night football to Sunday night football. Um, you know, to me, is there a way to make both work? If if you have a Ferry team, can you play on Thursday? If you have an Eastern team, can you play on Sunday? Um, you know, change it up a little bit. I, I will advocate for this. And... People can get at me on Twitter all they want for this. I think the doubleheaders should be completely eliminated. I think you should play one game spread out over four nights of the week. Two doubleheaders, doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Friday. It's only being talked about two nights a week amongst the diehards. Spread out the week a little bit. 
There's no need for double headers in my mind. Play one game Friday, one game Saturday, one game Sunday, one game Thursday. Have your consistent schedule. If you want yeah. your consistent schedule to be Friday night football, good. Have your game on th- Friday night football as there has been for the last 25 years. My only argument would be what we see in the NFL when you got teams playing Sunday and then they got to play Thursday, right? That's the only reason why yeah, I think but- every Thursday because then you give them till Friday, Saturday, hopefully to be ready. And you're going to say, oh, we won't schedule it, but we see it's going to have to happen at some point, right? And yeah, we also well, see them not know how to co- make a coherent schedule necessarily. Right. 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 However long we're going to have nine teams, right? We're, we don't know. and it, I, I, I agree. Yeah, four days of CFL football would be great. But yeah, you're telling me we already complain about the COVID years in Toronto having weird schedules where they play three games over however many days. So yeah, you're going to tell a team, yeah, you're playing whatever three o'clock on Sunday and you also got to play a Thursday nighter. I don't know. Yeah, it's just interesting, right? Because, you know, we talked about, and I think Friday night is this night where, you know, you have that staple on the CFL schedule where every year, you know, the Bombers and the Riders do battle on Sunday, Labor Day weekend. Alberta and Ontario battles on Monday. Everybody else in a triple header format the following Saturday. Playoffs on Sunday. I don't know, guys. It's it's a devil's advocate based on who you ask. I think if you're asking Saskatchewan and Winnipeg fans, I'll say, or Winnipeg fans in particular, we like the Thursday game just because of our, you know, ability to get out the cabins and all that. Um but again, you know, if you're Montreal, you got what, 70 or first nine or 70 first 10 on Thursday night football? Very interesting the way uh, the way that's set up. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the schedule is what it is. Um, I, I think the schedule to me uh, screams 10 team lead ASAP uh, so that you don't have this imbalance as a lead master schedule for a hockey lead in town here. It is very easy to schedule even teams compared to odd teams. And it goes much more than just the basic game here, game here, game here, game here, game here uh, as well. Oh, I agree. And when the 10th team comes in, then you will have to have a double header though on one day, right? Five days a week. Let's go. Oh, no, don't do that. No, you wouldn't kill me on that. Uh, I had one other point. Oh, I like your Ryan point. You did make a point about the playoffs. This is my perfect playoff scenario, and then we'll move on. I think when 10 teams comes, you have top seven make the playoffs. So first round, you have three games. Friday night, two on Saturday. That would be a playoff weekend right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sunday, Saturday, Friday night at seven, depending on where they are, and then a nice, you know, three and six on Saturday. You just wake up, start opening beers, and you're fine and watch all the football on Saturday. And then Sunday NFL, you just open more beers and watch uh, NFL football. But yeah, let's move on to uh, fantasy and stuff, boys. Yeah, I just hate if I could jump in here really quickly. We spend the whole season saying we want to avoid Sunday, yet we play our playoff games on Sunday. I, I don't know, guys. It's To me, I, I think it would be beneficial to play them on Saturday, but I know the league tried that for a time a few years back. Uh, it didn't necessarily end up working. But I, I think the moral of the story is, and I was told this by, by – uh, uh, a hockey parent of mine, if if they really want to see your team play, the day of the week shouldn't matter. Because uh, if it's Ryder fans, they would show up for a game on a Wednesday 
if it meant they'd have to cheer on their team. Well, within reason, of course. It's like uh, Field of Dreams. Build it and they will come, right? It doesn't matter when it is, right? Yeah, the Bombers played on Tuesday, Wednesday night. I'm going. It, it, But I do understand where the casual fan won't, right? Right. That's all. right. And I think that's another thing we have to worry about is, you know, who are you reaching out to? The diehards who are already going to four or five games a year like me or what but want to watch most of them? Or... um. Or uh, the casual has trade reacted to something. Sorry, boys. My horse won the Manitoba Derby, so I just got a little excited there. <laughs> I needed a win today. Yay. Congratulations. Uh, we'll see how that uh, spilled into our uh, bets this week. Yeah, as we get into our uh, betting results segment here, powered by Betstamp. Uh, Betstamp, there are so many different sports books out there these days. Each one offers you different prices on the same games. How do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, they provide the info you need at no additional cost. All you got to do is simply pull up the game on the Betstamp app, see the odds offered by each of the different sports books for that game. Uh, it helps you place the bet that will maximize the return for the pick you're making. Uh, and if you find some odds you like, you can sign up at the site directly through the BetStamp bet link page within the app, and you get access to all the affiliates, all the corresponding prices. If you want extra insight as well before you place your wagers, uh, you can see what uh, others around you are picking as well. You can find us and many more on the BetStamp commission-free marketplace. Uh, you can search the Canadian Football Countdown there to see our picks every single week. And uh, through verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee the odds that others have picked based on are verified and legitimate. Visit betstamp.app or download the free app from the App Store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using Betstamp free today. Of course, best of luck with your wagers. Always bet responsibly. Trey, how did we do in week number eight? Well, boys, uh, we did all right. Um, yeah, we started off with Montreal and – sorry, who played Montreal? Play Hamilton. And we all took Montreal plus two and a half. Uh, the best bet came from Bet99 on Bet Stamp. Uh, and we all got that one wrong. <laughs> we got that one wrong. That was a tough one. Um, we all didn't see that one coming. Uh, the Friday night, we all took BC minus one and a half. The best bet of the week was on Cool Bet. We got our first dub on Friday night football. Uh, move along there. Now, this is where things get a little sticky. This is where the team starts. Uh, Starts pulling away from each other. I took Winnipeg minus 0.5, and that bet came brought to you by Bet99, where uh, Ryan and Adam took Calgary plus one. Well, the betting expert won that one, and uh, Bombers won by a touchdown. But you guys got me back on the Sunday afternoon football. I took Toronto minus five. Uh, that was on Betfred. Never heard of that until the other day. That's a nifty site name. And you guys took a plus six and a half on Ottawa. Ryan and Adam did on Bet99. You guys got the win there. I don't – I think I have one win on you guys. I think I'm I, – I don't have the standings on me right now. Uh, right here. So, yeah, I'm 18 and 13 where you guys are 17 and 14. So, we're all making money. And, uh, yeah. And apparently – and if you – anyone – if you were – I was live tweeting my big pick of the Manitoba Derby. So if anyone was smart enough to look at my Twitter and get some money in on that, you're welcome. Not a bad week in the betting segment. Uh, Mike, uh, why don't you tell us all about how great at fantasy football I am? Well, yes. 
yes, 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 I will. But first off, after there's some good news in here for you, Ryan, which we'll get to in a minute, you have defeated the Ardos Fantas and up your record to 7-1 and one after a disappointing loss, which dropped you to 7-1, and one, or sorry, 6-1 and one last week. Now, I don't have the famous intro music here, but in our other matchup of the week, Trey has defeated Adam to take the CFC Civil War round two and improved to five and three, while Adam drops to three and five. Uh, yes, hence why Adam's not here. He's a little busy being disappointed about himself. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, so the Civil War round two goes to Trey. Uh, Adam will look to up his record from three and five in a matchup, which I assume is this week uh, for him. Uh, best of luck to you boys uh, the rest of the season. Uh, if you want to follow the uh, results of this uh, fantasy league, you can follow it on Twitter at CFL Pod Fantasy on Twitter and check out all the greats. CFL podcast involved. Now, I don't have a drop roll music effect for this one, but it's time to hand out personal congratulations to Ryan in our Canadian Football Countdown Fantasy League. Uh, Ryan, you can turn your microphone on at this point because I want to know something from you when I read this number out. Ryan accumulated 133.9 points, which I safe to say I think in the pool record between uh, this year and last year. Uh, Ryan, who was in your lineup this week, just so people can get the uh, can get the contest? Well, you should probably, uh, this is your uh, fifth time this episode, to remind you to put Nathan Rourke in the Hall of Fame, because it started off good with a big play from Nathan Rourke at quarterback. Uh, James Butler pitching in pretty well at running back this week. My BC Lions are doing well. At wide receiver across the board, Eugene Lewis, Curly Gittens Jr., Jalen Acklin, Rene Paradis kicked five field goals. The Lions defense, uh, well, they, only nine points from that one. I think I could have done That's a little bit better. That's acceptable, Ryan. That's acceptable. The rest of us will be crying in the corner. Yeah. Y'all didn't even stand a chance this week. Uh, anyway, I had second place at 93.6, which I'm pretty happy about. Uh, Adam and Trey will need better results next week. Adam at 69.1 and Trey with 62.1. As a result, we've had a change at the top of the leaderboard. Ryan is still taking the overall lead at 773.2 to Adam 712. I'm in third place at 651.8 while Trey is at 544. One, I don't mean to add insult to injury here, Trey, but I have a feeling some lineup changes may need to happen for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're in the fantasy. While we're on the fantasy, though, I want to jump back to our other one for a second because okay. I was debating doing this today or Wednesday, but Ryan, you're here. So I'm going to challenge okay. you because we have Civil War Part 3 net this upcoming week. I'll give you some time because you prepare the slides and you do everything. So you, I'll give you time. But my bet prop, I don't know what you'll want from me, 
I know what I want from you. If I beat you this week, when next Wednesday, I get to lead the fantasy segment because I'm the new fantasy champ if I can dethrone you this week. I like it. I'm down for that. Yeah, I'm in for that. I'll have to think. I'll get back to you by Wednesday night. I don't even know if I... I'm so confident, Trey. I don't even know if I need something back from you in this one because I'm not going to lose. Oh. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> oh, the spices have been plenty on this show. Uh, sorry, Dad. I just have to butt up with a comment here that uh, Adam has left us. Like the writers, there will be some serious changes on Team Adam. I fired the cold for profit and hired a guy with a chainsaw. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's a fair way to put it um, as well. Um, without further ado here, I'm hoping my technology works. Uh, but it switched. Oh, no, it did not. Ah, boy. Okay, hang on, guys. Give me one second here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from the script here. Uh, give me one second, guys. Technology not my best friend here, right? Uh, I'll get that fits quickly. Uh, we'll get to the players of the week. Uh, Ryan, do you want to start by giving your player of the week here while I find the appropriate uh, graphic? Sure, yeah. My player of the week this week, uh, so many options to go to. I really wanted to give it to Nathan Rourke for the third time this season, but I felt it was most appropriate to give my player of the week to a guy who was very integral in his team picking up his first win of the season, and that is wide receiver Jalen Acklin of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Week after week, he's been the go-to guy there. He's producing. Yes, they've only won one game this season, but seven catches on 10 targets, 144 yards, including uh, a 46-yarder. He put up a touchdown in this one. And uh, is the league's leading receiver on the season, despite his team's record. So I got to give a nod here to Jalen Acklin of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, The connection between him and Caleb Evans is producing some good things for that Ottawa offense that I think will translate into more wins going forward here. Trey, what about you? Give us a try here. Okay, there we go. Uh, That's a lot better. For some reason, I have to reload the same slide deck in every week. And uh, not take the old one. Uh, new note on technology. Uh, Trey, do you want to talk about your player of the week? And uh, it stays right close to home. Yes, sir. You know, I was him and Han too. I was going to take Nathan Rourke. Because I was trying to stay away from, you know, the homer and that. But it's hard to go against Zach Caleros. I believe it was just today. The day's the anniversary, I think I saw on Twitter or this week. Something or when he went got traded somewhere. And, you know... I can't remember if it was the Toronto or the here, but I thought I saw that somewhere. I kept seeing him in a Saskatchewan Rough Rider jersey today. But the best trade, you know, if ESPN 60 on 60 wants to make one, I think this would be the trade to do it. And he keeps performing. Zach Caleros, uh, 22 for 30, 270 yards. Not a lot of yards, but four touchdowns. And, yeah, he's the only quarterback to have started eight games, but he is leading the league in passing yards. So, you know, I'm sure someone will catch him at some point once, you know, Rourke and um, a couple of the other guys start catching up in those games in hand. But right now he's leading the league in passing for a guy who only completed seven passes last week. And he's looking pretty fine. And uh, his karate kid bandana on the TSN there when his face pops up, he's looking beautiful. Uh, 
yeah, I, I see uh, 72 Dolphins coming right now the way he's playing, boys. He almost put up as many touchdowns this week as he put up completions last week. I uh, just double-checked on the trade. So it was the trade from the Riders to the Argos was this day in 2019. Uh, October 9th, uh, we'll have to remember that one when uh, we get to the trade that brought him here to Winnipeg. That's, that's still fine. Today's the day Adam lost out on a great quarterback that would be stepping in for Fajardo right now, right? Could be, could be. A uh, couple notes quickly. Um, my player of the week is Nick Dempsey, seven catches, 59 yards, and two touchdowns. Why, everyone? Hey, Mike, why are you a homer? Hey, Mike, that's not necessarily player of the week format. Well, spoiler alert, when you don't practice for a week, when you announce or the team announces your presence the day before the game to catch everybody off guard, remarkable. And you catch two touchdowns, and you made two second down grabs to extend the game winning drive. Player of the week for me, boys, all the way around. Uh, Adam, who has had an emotional evening already, I can't imagine how difficult this was for him, but he has given his player of the week to Brady Oliveira. 15 rushes, 110 yards, a 7.3 yard average, which made everybody happy around here. Uh, as well uh, so we'll see but let's see what happened with everybody in there whoops we, can we kick him from the chat kick adam from the chat man he can't be putting comments like that in our family friendly chat <laughs> well still uh using learning how to use this technology here uh let's get to our week eight cfl power rankings uh ryan do you want to walk through your rankings yeah, sure. I've got Winnipeg at number one uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Calgary at number two. Like I said, two heavyweights going head-to-head this week. Fantastic game. I still think Calgary deserves to be number two here. Uh, even though BC has vaulted ahead of them in the standings, uh, to their credit, I give BC number three. Um, I think Calgary, if they didn't play Winnipeg the last two weeks, uh, would be higher up uh, in the actual standings. And then after these three, I spent a solid 10 minutes, put these other teams all in a blender, and this is what I came out with. I have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in at number four. Um, the reason for that one for me being, yeah, they've lost three straight. It's been a rough go for the Riders here. I think injuries have played a big part in those struggles for them. I also think they've played a lot of games versus the East. They, that means they have a lot of games versus the West coming up, and they have the opportunity coming in healthy after the bye week to uh, to bring things back on track rather quickly with a couple of divisional wins. I put Hamilton all the way up to number five now because they picked up a solid win this week. Two of the last three, like I said, I could see them, you know, getting on a bit of a roll here. I kept Edmonton at six because that's where I had them last week and I don't move teams very often while they're on a bye. Toronto drops down to number seven for me, too inconsistent. They dropped a key one to Ottawa here this week. I still think they're a good team, but, uh, but you know, I need to see more out of them. Ottawa jumps up to number eight. They picked up the first one of the season. They looked good. And I do have Montreal in at number nine. I'm just not sold on the Alouettes this season. I know, I know they came close to tying it there against the, the Cats. Uh, but I'm not loving what I'm seeing out of Montreal right now from a consistency standpoint. So 
Uh, really, a lot of those bottom five, six teams could be any which way, but that's how it ended up once I stopped the blender this week. Trey, you want to lead us with yours? Yeah, I will, but none of you guys proofread mine. I actually put Toronto up there twice. Um, that's interesting. Uh, which Toronto do I have there? Ah, uh, yeah, so Winnipeg, BC, Calgary is uh, my obvious top oh, three. Yeah. Um, no, I I did type that in. I don't I must have copied and pasted it wrong. Missing Edmonton. Well, Edmonton sure as heck not four. I'll leave Toronto at four. Hamilton, Montreal, five, six, and I'll put Edmonton at seven. So that's seven Toronto, it's Edmonton. Mark that Edmonton. And then Saskatchewan eight. And Ottawa nine. I'm not sold on Ottawa, even though they won. I want to see a little bit more out of them. Um, Saskatchewan two. Again, like I said, three and three against the East. You got to be better than that in a league where you got Winnipeg going undefeated and Calgary going near undefeated. And same with BC, right? So, um, yeah. And Montreal and Montreal, Hamilton, Toronto is kind of a blender. And top three, got to go top three. Do I, I'll read Adams now. I can read Adams. I want to read Adams. I want to put a little salt on the wound, so I have to read Adams. I think he's going to get his uh, Saskatchewan um, citizenship revoked for this one. Winnipeg, number one. Calgary, two. BC, three. You know, pretty consensus there, other than Mike's got a little bit flipped around. But we'll talk. We'll let Mike talk about that later. Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal is the next three. It's pretty, pretty basic. Blender again. Edmonton, Ottawa. And he's got the Rough Riders, nine. Poor Gainer sitting on the bottom. He's got his little hobo bag on a stick leaving Ryderville right now. He's got to find some more happy days. Adam, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, I think uh, think you're going to have to move east of the border, man, in a little bit. I don't think they're going to let you stay, keep your farm there any much longer. Yeah, Adam did add in our, in our conversations earlier today as well. He has the Riders ranked ninth because – while all the other teams seem like maybe they're improving or uh, roughly the same in the last couple of weeks, the Riders seem like they're regressing week after week. So, uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter. Tweet at him, at Adam Stewart one uh, if you want his takes on his Power Rankings Player of the Week or any other of his CFL thoughts this week. Mike, what's your Power Rankings? Just before we get to that, I'm Larry. You guys may have pulled the bear for Wednesday night, so I fear for both of you. Uh, cause, uh, Adam is scheduled to make his return. Uh, he's probably got a couple trips up, up his sleeves for both of you guys. So I wish you good luck in advance. Uh, now to my power rankings. Uh, I know it depends a little bit different from what I said on the show this, uh, evening, but my power rankings are as follows. Winnipeg, BC, Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa. Upon further reflection, you could probably flip Toronto and you could probably flip Hamilton. I think Hamilton's the best team in the East at this present time, contrary to to their record. Um, we, we have consensus on the top three in some order. Uh, I'm a lot like Ryan. Five to nine could be flipped around. Uh, Montreal, very close. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about Montreal. They're closer to moving into the number nine spot than they are moving up to the number six or even the number seven spot. Um, Ottawa, I loved your win. Show me some more, and I will work on getting you elevated uh, for next week's show. As we wrap things up, 
here for tonight. I just want to let everybody know what's coming up for later on uh, on this show. Uh, the Week 9 preview will be this Wednesday, 9 p.m. Wednesday time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Uh, there are sure to be a lot of uh, writer, I don't know, a writer therapy session perhaps involved uh, in this one as we all try to make it a team effort to make our buddy Adam feel a little better. So that's plus we'll begin. Well, we're going to make them feel better by not talking about them because they're on a bye week, so we have nothing writers to really talk about. True, I forgot There might be that. some news. I forgot about that, but you might still want to console your, our friend, make sure that he's still happy. Um, then I'll be, we'll be back next Monday uh, for the week. Uh, week 9 recap. Sorry, I'm a little bit tongue-tied at the minute. Uh, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time uh, for those two as well. You can get all these shows live every single week of the 21-week CFL season, plus the three weeks in the playoffs uh, by going to YouTube and searching the Canadian Football Countdown, uh, Facebook.com, Batswaz, CF Countdown Pod, uh, and then on Twitter at CFCF Countdown Pod. You can also catch us on video format, such as what you're doing if you're watching our lovely faces right now. You can do so twitch.tv slash CF Countdown Pod. Also on the Game Time TV YouTube page. It's all made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more by visiting our brand new website for Game Time TV. Watch GameTimeTV.ca. I'll send the updated uh, text going forward. We launched our new website last week. Very well received. Can't wait for the next season to start as well. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so uh, on Facebook and Twitter. At CF Countdown Pod, make sure you check out the CF Pod Network on Twitter for all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Before we wrap things up, I'm going to do, do my little spiel on the way out because I have a non-football related note. It is a congratulatory note, uh, but was brought to my attention at the beginning of the show. So stay tuned. Trey, where can people find you? I know you've had a happy night. Uh, live on the show, we got some reactions. Yeah, it, it was where, a miserable. Where, where can people find more of your happy moments? At Trey NB Harness on Twitter. You, I did not have a happy noon to seven o'clock, but things have slowly turned around. I don't, I don't do the thoroughbred ponies too well. I not my strong suit, but I knew some magic on the that one somehow. Uh, but if you want to see my harness racing knowledge, UFC, all you want to see me and Adam send each other random uh, Star Wars gifts, uh, you know, at Tranby Harness. Uh, that's usually where I am. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, summer intern right now at Standard Bread Canada, which is a mean website for harness racing. So I have trot exclusives coming for the next four or five weeks until I lose my summer job and then I'm back to school. But until then, I'm kind of the harness racing guy here in Manitoba. Ryan, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. It starts with a K. Uh, if you want to talk CFL, CFL Fantasy, if you want uh, weekly updates on the Hall of Fame status of Nathan Rourke, 
if you want fantasy tips, uh, Trey, you might need them this week. Uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. And uh, mostly just, you know, sharing out the podcast, uh, having a great time here chatting football with you guys every single week, a couple times a week. Uh, I'm having a blast with this season. Mike? I like the fact that nobody can take this serious and they can enjoy us laughing every now and then because I can promise you this is all unscripted contrary to what my pieces of paper have to say for the most part. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MikeDarrell. You can find me at Facebook.com backslash GameTimeTVMB. You can find me watch.gametimetv.ca. I'm just going to take this quick moment to give a shout-out to a team that's very near and dear to my heart that I started this broadcast industry doing, uh, the MJBL's Alma Giants. What can I say about you guys? Other than the fact you have won not one, not two, not three, not four, but five MJBL titles in a row, the latest of which coming this past weekend. You guys are off to Nationals out east starting tomorrow. So good luck to Coach uh, Ed Kulik and the Dyes. Five straight MJBL titles. I think it's seven and eight years, too. Uh, I was happy to be a part of that team for the first one. Uh, boy, oh, boy, there's something in the water over there at Kroski Field. Uh, five in a row. The... I don't even know what you'd call this anymore. They called it the drive for five. The quest for six begins next spring, I guess. Uh, congratulations, guys, in all seriousness. Uh, I, I follow you guys. Uh, don't get out to the park as much as I should anymore, but I just want you to know, I don't want all of Canada and all of the CFL well to know just how proud I am of you to win five junior baseball titles in a row. Uh, and the way they've done so is just absolutely amazing. Uh, best of luck to you guys at Nationals. That is my uh, non-football-related note. Uh, that is just unbelievable. And I know um, Coach Ed is very happy and very proud of his guys always and keeps finding, finding a way to reload. Uh, Ed, best of luck. Go get that national title. You guys deserve it after being uh, unable to travel for the last number of years. It's fitting you guys get that look. My understanding is if the rules are the same, they've already clinched the spot in the 2023 National Championship as a result of winning this year. I think it's always been next year that the previous year's champs get to go. So best of luck, Elmwood Giants. Bring it home, boys. Hopefully we're talking uh, on Sunday about a national title, and who knows what the show will look like on Monday if they should win a national title. But nonetheless, very, very proud moment for me. It's how we started my company, was calling Elmo Giants Baseball Five Street. Couldn't be happier uh, as well. Best of luck to them. Best of luck to all the teams. Also, I, just, I know this is completely a little bit unrelated, but... Congratulations to all the teams that have played in the ball hockey nationals here in Winnipeg uh, this past weekend. You guys put on a heck of a show at the Ice West Keep Bodley. And yesterday, the finals, uh, which were played at Canada Life Center, actually, uh, home of the Winnipeg Jets, Manitoba Moose. So great job by all. Continue to 
support the local sports beat. I continue to beat that drum as well as uh, looking to get into some new sports football in the next couple of weeks. Anybody else have anything to add really quickly? Nope. Tune in Wednesday night for the main event here this week. We're going to have lots of fun betting, fantasy, storylines, all of that. Uh, back at it in two nights here. And yeah. great job driving the car once again tonight, Mike. Well, this car hasn't crashed yet. I need another 15 seconds to make sure I bring this show to a smooth and complete stop. Uh, whatever podcast you are, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate you doing so. Make sure you hit the beige red. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a beige red like button or, or subscribe button. Subscribe to the channel. And you'll get an alert uh, when we go live, which will be at 9 o'clock on Monday and Wednesday Central Time. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. Always appreciate it. Thank you to everybody that's chimed in on the chat tonight. Had a little bit of fun at the expense of others. That's what we do here on this show. Uh, for Ryan Coop and Trey Colbert, this is Piper Tell saying thank you very much for watching and listening. Remember, if it's the CFL, it's the Canadian Football League. Enjoy it. Have yourself a great week. Those two will see you on Wednesday night. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you next Monday. Good night from Winnipeg.